words to it and the, the message, a beautiful song. I want you to take your Bible. I hope you brought it today. We put the words up here uh, to the scriptures, almost all of them. Uh, but uh, it's good to mark things down and underline them. Hope you can jot some things down. And turn to Proverbs chapter 13. And after you locate that, turn to James chapter 2 in that order. Proverbs 13 and James chapter 2. Uh, weeks ago, I began a series of messages on under the general topic of how to be rich or how to be wealthy. And the whole idea is that there are some people that are rich that are really poor. They think they're rich, but they're not. And there are some people that are not rich. In fact, they're poor, but they're wealthy. And because of that, they operate out of a wrong identity. There are some of you this morning that uh, your bank account is busted, but you're wealthy if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus. And there may be someone here this morning that you have a full bank account, but if you don't know Christ, you don't, you don't have much. In fact, you're very poor. I you to notice in the Bible, the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 13, notice in verse 7, this has kind of been the theme verse, and uh, you're familiar with it, but look at it again, Proverbs 13, 7. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. Isn't that interesting? This man is working, this lady's working, and uh, she's gone to school, and she has a good income, and her accounts say that she's wealthy, but God says she has nothing. On the contrary, there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. God has given his children Great spiritual wealth, but most of us, the majority of us, we do not appreciate it. We neglect the precious treasures that God has given to us. And one of those treasures that God has given to us is the matter of faith. And I want to talk to you again this morning on how to develop, how to increase, how to grow your faith. Uh, your faith is one of the most precious dynamic treasures that God has given to you. Now, there are some people that will tell you that if you have a lot of faith, you'll have a lot of money. That's not true. Uh, God will meet your needs. Now, there are some people that have a lot of money, that have a lot of faith. But the Bible says that you can have faith and, and not have a lot of money, but you can still be rich in God's eyes. There is... That maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh him poor, yet hath great riches. And one of those riches is a matter of faith, your faith. Are, are you wealthy in faith? You know, so often I, I feel weak in my faith. I ask the Lord, uh, Lord, give me the faith of a, of a mustard seed. I feel like that man in the Gospel of Mark that says, Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Let me share this with you. Whenever you, you cry that, that's an utterance of faith. When you say, Lord, I help my unbelief, you're saying that I have faith to say that I need faith. The Bible says in James chapter 2, I had you turn there. Notice in verse 5, the context of James 2 is about not having respect to people that come to your church. That is, respecting people that have a lot of money, but respecting everybody. And notice in James chapter 2, look at verse 5. 
Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen, and here it is again, the poor of this world, rich in faith. You see that? Here are people that are poor according to the world's standards, but they're rich in faith. You may not have a lot of money, but you can be rich in faith. And I have this underline, in heirs of the kingdom, heirs of the kingdom of God, which he hath promised to them that love him. When we have the promises of God, when you latch on to God's promise, and you rest upon that promise, and you claim that by faith, the Bible says that you, you are rich. Now, that may not show up in your bank account. It may not show up in the, the size of your home. It may not show up in your wardrobe. But you can be rich in faith. And I want you to understand something. Listen, the longer, the longer you live, the more you're going to need this message. I'm going to give you some practice in a minute from the Word of God. And I know this is not a flashy title on how to grow your faith because you hear that and say, oh, well, I really don't need that. Some of you gravitated to it immediately. But some of you say, well, I might need that one day. Oh, you will. You will. And I hope you will practice these principles that we will go to in just a moment. Uh, the author, Warren Wiersbe, he said this. Listen to this statement. He said, most of us know the price of everything and the value of nothing. We know the price of everything and the value of nothing. And boy, aren't we there today. We don't know, we don't know anything about values. But we know about economics. We're concerned with savings. We're concerned with our bank accounts. But we do not understand spiritual values. We do not understand eternal values. And God says this. He says, I, I have given you something that is precious. I have given you a treasure, and the treasure is faith. And you can grow and you can cultivate this treasure of faith. Now, the truth is, most people don't live by faith. And, and I didn't say that by accident. Most people, when I say most people, I don't mean 52% of the people. I mean like 90%. And I don't have a scientific poll on that, but I'm pretty accurate there. The vast, vast, vast majority of people do not live by faith. They live by sight. Once they see it, they believe it. But faith is not sight. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't live by our senses. The world lives by its senses. If I can see it, if I can taste it, if I can experience it, then it's real. But we live by our faith. And here's the trouble with that. When you live by your sight, you don't experience God. You don't know God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, with that faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Because when you're seeking God, you've never seen God. One day we'll see him face to face. But it's faith that causes you to seek Him. And, and when you seek Him, you begin to know Him. And that's why it's a virtuous cycle, not, not a destructive cycle, but a virtuous cycle that goes upward. The more you seek Him, the more faith you have. The more faith you have, the more you seek Him. 
Your faith begins to grow stronger. Your knowledge of God begins to develop stronger. Now listen to this statement. What occupies your heart gets your attention. What occupies your heart gets your attention. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I gave you this idea that faith is not strengthened by focusing on faith. This is the way you you don't grow in faith by trying to have more faith. I, I talk to people sometimes and they'll be going through a difficult time or they have a need in their life, a financial reversal. And they'll say something like this. I'm sure I felt like this. I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to have trust in God. And the whole focus is on me. I'm trying. I'm trying to be strong. It's like telling a drowning man, I I hope you make it. I hope you can swim. And I'm trying to swim. I can't swim, but I'm trying to swim. You, You don't learn to swim in your own incapabilities. You don't grow faith by trying to have faith. I remember uh, back in the 60s, the late 60s, and the hippie movement, and it went on into the early 70s, there was a statement that that, uh, people made a lot, and here's what it was. It was, uh, have faith. Have faith. And here's another one. Keep the faith. Now, on the surface, that sounds good because it sounds, well, that's from the Bible, but it's not. The Bible says, have faith in God. Keep the faith. Keep the faith in what? You see, in our hearts, sometimes, listen carefully, we're emotional atheists. Worry is emotional atheism. So I'm not an atheist. We are when we worry. Because we look at our resources. We look at our ability. We look at our lack. And we begin to complain to God. God, I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to do right. I'm, me, mine. You you do not cultivate your faith. You do not build your faith by trying to have faith. Don't focus on your faith. Your faith is not cultivated by keeping the faith or having faith. Your faith is developed by focusing on the object of your faith, which is Almighty God. And when you focus on God, here's what happens. A robust faith is cultivated and it is developed. So I go back to that statement. Listen, what occupies your heart gets your attention. So listen carefully. What is keeping your attention as you try to have faith? Is it your faith or is it God? Because therein is the problem. Because I'm talking to you about how to grow faith. You don't grow faith by being occupied with your faith. About the only thing you do is come to God and say, God, I'm bankrupt in my ability to have faith and my resources. I can't do this in my abilities. Uh, the first time I, I played the piano publicly was for Brother Price. Our regular piano player was out. And so uh, I think I was 14 years old, something like that. And so they asked me to play the piano, I was scared to death. In fact, I was not just scared to death. I tried to run, kind of like Saul, hid himself among the stuff, you know. So I can't, I can't do this. But, but the music director and, and some other people prevailed upon me. And my hands were sweating. 
And I went over there and he uh, sang that song, uh, The Sweetest Story Ever Told, God Loves You. The Brightest Prospect to Behold, God Loves You. It was in the key of F. You say, how do you remember that stuff? Because when you're terrified, it digs a groove in your mind. (laughs) Remember those things. And I was focusing on my inabilities. We've all been there. As long as you focus on yourself, you're you're never going to become a man or woman of faith. In fact, could I suggest to you, let's just do away with that. Stop trying to be a man of faith, a woman of faith. Just be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Follow hard after God. Love the Lord Jesus Christ. Be a man in the Word of God. One of the best definitions, I believe it was Hudson Taylor. I'm not sure, but I think that's correct. Missionary to China. He said, the best expression in the Bible for faith is not Hebrews 11.1, but it's Hebrews 12.2. Where the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. He says, that's what faith is. Boy, I agree with him. That's what faith, faith is, looking unto Jesus. Watch this, because when you look unto Jesus, you're looking away from yourself. When I'm looking unto Jesus, I'm not looking at my resources. You cannot be saved until you look to Jesus. Don't look at your sin, don't look at your works. Don't look at your penance. Look unto Jesus. And after you get saved, what do you do? You keep looking unto Jesus. And when you look unto Jesus, you don't brag on your faith. You don't brag on your goodness. It's all about Him. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The word author there means the beginner, the originator. He starts our faith and He completes our faith. From beginning to the end, from the time that I was born, when I couldn't even believe, He's taking care of me. I remember uh, John Bishop, uh, he's an evangelist. I'd love to have him sometime. And he had a, a, a disease, it attacked his spinal column. And, and then what happened is he lost his memory. It affected his brain. He totally lost his memory. And he had to learn to rehabilitate himself mentally. And not only did it scrub his memory of every, he had to learn who his wife is, who his children. He forgot the day he got saved that he was saved. And here was a man who had a heart for God. And they had to say, no, John, you're a Christian. Here's what this means. Oh, I am. And they had to go back and they had to teach him all of these things. And in your weakest, when I'm in my weakness, and I, I've so enjoyed the, the, the doctrine of the fatherhood of God. And some of you did not have this privilege, and my father was not a perfect man. My dad was a good man. He was a merciful father. He was a faithful father. Because of that, I had a good image of the Heavenly Father. And it was not a hard for me to connect the dots of a good God. That my Heavenly Father was not an angry man. That when I messed up, He wasn't going to blow me out of the water. 
looking unto Jesus. Now, some of you didn't have that, but listen, you get your image of God from the Bible. And, and us fathers and moms too, but the Bible especially talks about a, a father. Malachi 4, 6, the last verse in the Old Testament. About the fathers seeking after the children, turning the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the children will turn their hearts toward them. There's two men I've been thinking about as I've been studying this topic about their strong faith. And uh, as I read about them, I thought, you know, the reason they had a strong faith was they weren't trying to have a strong faith. I hope you get this. This is so simple, but it's so profound. They weren't trying to have a strong faith. They just loved the Lord. They spent so much time with God that out of that overflowed, that they, they, they were faithful, but they looked unto Jesus. In the early church, when they selected deacons in Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, and the saying pleased the whole multitude in the early church when they chose deacons, they chose Stephen. I want you to notice this. The Bible says that Stephen was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. You see that? The word full there means to fill something as you do a basket that it's filled all the way to the top. He was full of faith. But I want you to notice that the same word is used that he was also full of the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He was full of God. It, it's not, th- those two things go together. It wasn't like, well, I'm going to be full of faith and I'll be filled with with God, No, he, he was full of faith because he was full of God. And his faith made him seek God the more. It's a virtuous cycle. And, and they go up. The more you love God, the more you seek him. The more you seek him, the more you love him. In the same chapter, in Acts chapter 6, a few verses down in verse 8, the Bible says, And Stephen, full of faith and power. Full of faith and power. This man was not a... A pastor, he was a layman in a church. And God's hand was upon him. He had God's power upon him. And listen, we we live in a time when when people want the power of God. They want God's influences. But he wasn't seeking God's power. He was seeking God. And because of that, God gave him favor. He gave him influence. And I've taught you that the power of God is simply God giving you Favor and influence with people as you speak, as you preach, as you parent in your work. That's what God's power is. It's, it's influence, almost an unconscious influence. That when you walk into an environment, that you have an influence that you did not ask for because you've been walking with God. They had it in Acts chapter 4 and verse 5 that they, they noted them. That though they had not been to official schools and were not sanctioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they had spent time with Jesus. What occupies your heart gets your attention. What gets your attention influences your life. You want to grow your faith? Stop trying to have faith. Stop focusing on your faith and focus on the Lord. 
In Acts chapter 11 and verse 4, it talks about Barnabas. The Bible says there in Acts eleven twenty four, For Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And of faith. There it is again. Now, this is the third time, Acts 3, Acts 6, 3, Acts 6, 8, Acts eleven twenty four. This is not an accident. I don't know that I'm full of faith. And the truth is, I don't think you need like a dipstick measuring your oil in your engine. You're always measuring this. Just stay close to the source. God takes care of the rest. Quit measuring. Quit trying to have faith. Quit trying to be a good Christian. I don't know who the best Christian is in this room, but whoever he or she is, they don't know who they are. I don't know who the man or woman is or young person that has the most faith in here is, but whoever they are, they don't know if they do. They probably feel like they don't because they're unworthy of it. But they have a great God. And because they love Him and because they wait on Him. If you want the blessings of faith, you must not seek faith, but the faithful one. First Peter chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he writes to people going through adversity. He says that the trial of your faith, and this is God's, this is heaven's perspective that one day will be ours. It's not ours now. We take this by faith. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory in the appearing of Jesus Christ one day when he comes. Now watch this. Whom? Personal pronoun. That goes back to the previous verse. Jesus. Now look at this. Having not seen, you love. Look up here. Don't respond. Do you love Jesus? Have you ever seen him? I've never seen him. But I love him. I love the the songs, Jesus, keep me near the cross. I think it's the last verse, and it talks in their lyrics. I love good lyrics. It says uh, about the cross keeping its shadow over me. I like that that idea of being so close to the cross that it shadows over me. I love the the hymn, My Jesus, I love Thee. I love the hymn... He is so precious to me. Oh, I know, I, I probably ought to like victorious songs. And they have a place in my vocabulary. But I love those, those songs about Jesus, whom having not seen, you love. In whom? That's a personal person. That's Jesus. In Jesus. Look at this. Though now you see him not, yet believing. Do you see this? I'm not seeing him, but I still believe. And look at this. Rejoice with joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. I love him, and I have deep, abiding joy that is unable to be articulated. It's unspeakable. In spite of pressure. In spite of adversity and deep trials. And one day it will be face to face. But this is not even face to face yet. But all of the, listen, all of this is by faith. But the writer, as you see this, when Peter wrote this, it's not occupied with, 
with joy and love. It's occupied with Jesus, not occupied with faith. I read a story recently about a father, and uh, he took his son out to the back porch. It's elevated a little bit. He put his son up there on the ledge, and he walked back down to the grass area on the lawn. And he put his arms out, and he said, I want you to jump. He began to coax him. I want you to jump. I'll catch you. I want you to jump. Finally, the little boy, very nervously, leapt out, and the father stepped back and let his son tumble and fall to the ground. Began to cry. The father went up and wiped some tears from the boy's eyes and lifted him up and knelt down to him. He said, now I did that to teach you a lesson, son. Never trust anybody. And he turned and he walked away. And the reason I almost didn't insert that, but here's why I did. It doesn't matter how much I talk to some of you about faith and confidence and trust and love in Christ. There's a huge emotional pushback. There's a barrier. Because you got hurt a long time ago or maybe a short time ago. And you feel that way. You say, no, Rick, you can't trust anybody. I say this very kindly and I say it sincerely. I don't say it in an angry way. Please don't take it that way. But you're wrong. That's not true. You can You see, when you keep your arms like this, and you do this, you can never embrace anybody. Yeah, people have hurt me. People have hurt you. Sometimes I think people think, well, you've just never been hurt. Oh, really? Really? No, that's not true. I've been hurt too. But the Lord has has never disappointed me. Listen, we, we have faith every day. I went to the pharmacy yesterday. I picked up two prescriptions. I didn't open them up and count them. I didn't look at the pill and then go to my, um, maybe I should have, and then go, go in my phone and say, now what number is this? Does this match up? You trust your pharmacist. You trust your doctor's diagnosis. I took Price and Ann out to eat last night. We trusted the cook. Now, I could go on and on. Here's the principle is you and I, we trust people whether we realize it every day. But when someone significant disappoints us, we begin to get bitter toward God. But you've got, you've got as a Christian, if you're a Christian, listen, you've got to grow your faith to enjoy life to have an effective life, to have an effective ministry. Now, there's two principles that you must practice on a daily basis if you're going to have a growing faith. Number one, you must spend time daily in the Word of God. And then secondly, you've got to do what He tells you to do. Number one, discover God's strength and character through a daily time in God's Word. Now, it's not just having time alone with the Lord. You can read the Bible And not have a strong faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of Christ. 
that exalts Christ. No, no word, no faith. But, as I've taught you before, the devil knows the Bible. It's not knowing the content of the Bible. It's knowing about who God is, his strength, his heart. And so a few weeks ago, I gave you three specific areas to look for about God. I'm not going to rehearse that again this morning. But if you want to go back and listen to that, I would encourage you to do that. But it's about God's activity, his person, that that will build your faith. And so do that on a daily basis, seeking God's heart, seeking its character. And on a cumulative basis, your faith will begin to grow. And here's the thing, you won't even know it. Because you're not thinking about your faith, you're thinking about God. And the second principle is this, you must respond to what God is asking you to do with obedience. Okay, so I'm in the Word. I'm reading I'm listening to a sermon. I'm going to my life group. I hear something and God confronts me with it. Now, at that point, I've got to make a decision. Am I going to do something with that? Now, what is the response? The response is not mental assent. It's not agreement. It's not consideration. Let me see. Do I agree with that? Okay, I agree with that. And you walk out. No. The response is obedience. It's what am I going to do about that? What behavior do I need to change? What attitude do I need to change? What speech patterns do I need to change? What is it in my life that I need to change? And I do that immediately. That is my faith. Now listen carefully. Faith is your obedient response that opens the door for God's enablement to your life. When you, when you do not obey, you're not having faith, and until you obey, God doesn't enable you. You understand? God's not, God doesn't enable you. God meets you as you take your first step. Well, God, I, I'll do it when you help me. As you begin to take your first step, he meets you at that moment. You read uh, when Moses and Joshua... And the priests, when they begin to cross Jordan and the Red Sea, it, it didn't part until they begin to take specific actions that God told them to do. And when they obeyed the God, when they obeyed God's word, then all of a sudden, God began to work on their behalf. But see that again, one is operating by sight; the other one's operating by Faith. Well, I'll see it when I believe it. Well, you'll never see it. You believe it, and then you'll see it. Let me show it to you. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Look at this. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word mix means to co-mingle, like you put ingredients. You're making biscuits, and you're putting ingredients together. You see, some, some of you hear the word, but it's not, it's not mixed with faith. Now listen, information will not change your life. Some of you are educated beyond your obedience. And here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 4.2, it does not profit you. It doesn't change your life. 
Faith is when you say, I'm going to do, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to change my life the way that I treat my spouse, the way that I parent. That's what faith is. See, I thought that was repentance. It is. That's faith. And God enables you. He gives you the initiative. He gives you the ability. But until you take that step, you're not going to grow your faith. And again, don't focus on your faith. Focus on your obedience. Focus on being in the Word of God and getting to know who God is and then doing what He tells you to do. And see, here's where I'm at on this. Quit, quit thinking about your faith. And when you do these things, this virtuous cycle, when you focus on these things, then your faith begins to appear. And almost subconsciously, you have a strong faith and other people notice, but you don't. In fact, you think sometimes, I don't have a weak, or I don't have a strong faith. It's weak. It's weak. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, there are synonyms for how people respond to faith when they come to Christ, when they're saved. Romans ten thirteen. for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that's an attitude of faith, calling upon the name of the Lord. We, we say pray the sinner's prayer, but just say, God, I'm, I need help. Have mercy. His name is Jesus, Savior. I'm a sinner. I, I need saving. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Before I was a rejecter, now I'm an acceptor. I, I, need, I need help. I'm, I'm not rejecting the offer anymore. And look at this. How shall they believe in him? You see these synonyms? In him of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all, watch this, they have not all obeyed the gospel. I remember when I was in high school, and uh, I had one of my teachers he kind of picked me out, and he said, "Now you know what that means. No, that means you have to be baptized. You're not you're not a Christian until you're baptized. You trust Jesus, and then you're baptized, and then you're a Christian because you have to obey the gospel. And that's what it means here. You have to obey the gospel. The word obey is a compound word. It comes from two words. It means to place yourself under one's authority. That's what it means." And it really has, it has, the one word is to hear, to akuo. It means I'm listening in order to obey, to obey the gospel. I'm going to ask you a question. How do you obey the gospel? You do not obey the gospel by doing anything. Read the rest of the verse. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? That comes from Isaiah 52. He, he tells you the next line. How do, you, how do you obey the gospel? You believe the gospel. You obey the gospel by believing the gospel, by trusting what Jesus said he did when he died on the cross. And then there's that verse. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Have you ever said to Jesus, Jesus, I will trust you. I did that when I was nine years old. I do turn from my sin. I rest in you. As my Savior. This passage of uh, 
Romans chapter 10 earlier came from, Paul quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 14. I want you to notice this. I have it on the screen for you. But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. This is Romans 10 and verse 8. The word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart. Now I'm going to misquote the verse. That thou mayest learn it. That thou mayest consider it. That thou mayest know it. That's not what it says. That thou mayest do it. Now, how, how do you do it in the text, in the context of Romans chapter 10? That you believe it. That you just say, okay, Lord, I, I receive, I believe, I call upon the name of the Lord. All these synonyms, I place myself under your authority. I believe what you said. I trust you. I rest upon you. Can you believe a time, you remember a time when you did that, when you trusted Christ as your Savior? You see, the Christian life is lived in the same way as it was that it was begun. By grace, through faith. Listen. The same way you got saved, by trusting Jesus as your Savior, by grace. Every day, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. But I'm going to tell you what's not sweet is living a graceless, unbelieving life. That's not sweet. Where you have to earn and you have to work and you have to push. There's nothing sweet about that. That's very difficult. That's a difficult life. That's a hard life. Pushing and shoving and making things try to work your way. It's, it's not sweet. Some people, listen, some people believe they're saved by grace, but they're sanctified by works. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to work, but even when we work, He's working in us. No contradiction there. The same way that you began in your Christian life, through grace, the grace of God by faith, is the same way you continue. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, the same way you started, watch this, so walk ye in Him. After you're saved, walk in Him. How how did you receive Him? I trusted in His grace. So as a 63-year-old man, do you know how I'm supposed to live? The same way when I got saved when I was nine. By His grace, I'm resting in His grace by faith. Now here's what happens when you do this. Look at this. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Now watch this. He uses two metaphors here. One is in the plant world and one is in the building, as a building. They both have to do with foundations. Rooted and built up. And then he uses the word established, which means to to make something firm or to be established, something to make something strong. You see, you cannot you can't have something on the surface of a plant until it's rooted. It has to have a good foundation. It has to have a good foundation, which is the root system. When the root system is strong, then it flourishes on the top. And this building here, everything on top is, you don't see the foundation. But if it has a weak foundation, it's not going to last. While I was gone, there were some rains I saw 
out in, in Arab and other places, and, and roads were just totally destroyed and divided. Amazing what those rains washed out underneath. Foundations are important. You can't build where there's not a good, there's no, there's no establishment. There's no establishment as the Word of God. It's not firm. But look at the text there. Rooted, and look at this, and built up, look at this, in Him. In Him. That's where the strength comes from. That's where the focus is. It's not where my focus is on, I want to have faith. I want to have grace. I want to be a good Christian. No, 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 no. All of these things are measurable. I read five chapters in the Bible a day. I I pray ten minutes. All these measurables, they're dangerous. You do that with your wife. Honey, I'm going to give you ten minutes today. I'm going to talk to you for ten minutes and start your little watch. Time's up. You don't maintain a relationship that way. And you don't do that with God either. Comparing ourselves among themselves, we are not wise. Because what happens is our old fallen nature, we think we're good Christians because we read more of the Bible or we go to church more or we do more or whatever. the thing. We, we focus on Christ. And here's what happens. Look at this. Rooted, establishment, and then the building up. Now, here's what I want you to see. Watch this. Your faith is cultivated in the quiet moments of your life. Nobody sees the root system. Nobody sees your daily time alone with the Lord when you're focusing on the attributes of God. Nobody sees your meditation life. Nobody, except you and God. Nobody in your family sees it. Nobody. That's underneath. Nobody sees the foundation. Nobody sees, they see the outcome, but they don't see, nobody sees your response of obedience. No, they they don't see that. What do you do when you hear the Word of God and your small group and your time alone, personal time with the Lord, or when you hear it preached in this pulpit? Or you're listening to a podcast going down the road like I like to listen to. And God smites your heart. Do you, do you act on it? You see, that, that, that's under the surface. Nobody, nobody sees that. You need, to, you need to write them a note. You need to do this. Fill in the blank, whatever. But if there's not a, a spontaneous response, there's not establishment. You're not built up. And hence, watch this, you're weak, listen, you're weak in faith. So, I'm not finished with the sermon, but I'm finished for this service. But I'm going to give you one more statement, two statements, listen to this. Stop focusing on your faith. And take care of the subterranean parts of your Christian life. On the root system. On the foundation. Nobody sees. Do you love Christ? Do you really love Him? How's your meditation life? How's your prayer life? Do you ponder the things of God? Well, so and so, they, they just, they have better thoughts than I do. No, they just think. 
You watch TV. You play games on your phone. You gossip. You feel you do, you do other, you, you don't you don't get alone and give yourself to the roots of your life of godliness. And then when God speaks to you, bang, okay, I'm going to do that, Lord. And then what happens, you begin to cultivate a robust faith. I'm going to give you a quote that changed my life. I heard it, I think I was 17 years old, but I never forgot it. Adrian Rogers said this. You've heard me say it, but I hadn't said it in a long time. Adrian said this, living for Jesus is not your responsibility, but it's your response to his ability. Now, when you hear the first part, you say, well, hold. Living for Jesus is not my responsibility? No. But it is your response. You do have a response to his ability. Because I, I, I don't have the resources. I, I don't know how many times, and I could say the same for Price and Brother Tim and Daniel, and, and how many times, and, and some of you that teach, when you stand where, where you don't feel like it, emotionally, spiritually, the truth is your tank is empty. It's not that you're backslidden. It's just that I, I don't have much to offer. But you show up. And if you've been doing this subterranean stuff with God, because we walk by faith, not by sight, because your senses are, is I'm empty. But you're empty of the human stuff. But you're full down here. And then when you're empty, you just go back to what our brother said, more of you. More of you, I've had all, but what I need is just more of you. I want you to bow your head with me, if you would, this morning.